It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Today is Monday, February 1st. I'm Meredith Reddick with Raven News. The mood was lighter than usual when public officials gathered for the Sitka Unified Command meeting last week. That's because Sitka's COVID numbers were trending down. At the same time, the number of Sitkins receiving a first dose of the vaccine spiked as Search and White's Pharmacy administered clinics throughout the week. Search Chief Medical Officer Dr. Elliot Brule said they would likely vaccinate another 800 people between Wednesday and Friday. Add that to over 500 shots administered by White's Pharmacy, and the numbers are strong, with at least 2,500 Sitkins receiving a first vaccine dose. Brule said he expected a steady shipment of vaccines in February. I'm looking right now, this in February, uh, at having over 3,000 additional doses um, for search. And of course, not all of that will be utilized in Sitka. But um, uh, we will continue to be able to vaccinate uh, significant numbers of people in Sitka. Brule said Search had already distributed 6,000 vaccines throughout the region and planned to administer 10,000 vaccines by March. Search is currently scheduling vaccines for patients 55 and over and essential workers. Brule said that they still need younger people to register even if they don't currently qualify for the vaccine. He said it's crucial so Search can plan ahead and notify patients as soon as the vaccine is available to them. Summer is peak time for travel on the Alaska Marine Highway, but the state is proposing a new schedule that amounts to bare-bones service. Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick asks, why is the state relying on some of its oldest vessels while its newer ships remain tied to the dock? The proposed five-month summer schedule is peak times for the Alaska Marine Highway system, but many communities will get only limited service. We need to get uh, more ships in the water. That's Sitka Republican Senator Bert Stedman. He's concerned about long gaps, despite lawmakers' efforts to fully fund the marine highway system. Sitka getting, you know, four ships a month, uh, two north, two south, with right under 9,000 people. And that's a lot of people. He's co-chair of the powerful Senate Finance Committee. Last year, he worked with coastal allies in the state House of Representatives to funnel more money into the ferries. But much of the extra funding was vetoed by Governor Mike Dunleavy. Erling Wally says that leaves no slack in the system if and when one of the aging ferries breaks down. He's a regional leader with the Inland Boatmen's Union, the largest of the three ferry unions. With all the deferred maintenance that's been going on over the years, um, you know, it would be good to have a vessel on just for backup in case one of the boats breaks down for for one reason or another. The unions made similar warnings in years past. When the Matanuska ferry broke down a year ago, there was no immediate replacement. That effectively shut down the Marine Highway's regional service for more than two months. That's not to say the state isn't spending money on upgrading its ships. The Department of Transportation wouldn't make anyone available for an interview, but the agency confirmed to Coast Alaska that it recently spent about $4.4 million dollars to have side doors installed on the two Alaska-class ferries. The work was done at the Vigor Alaska shipyard in Ketchikan, and that's the same facility that built the two ships for $120 million in a sole-source contract using state money. The Taslina entered service in 2019 and did a few runs last year, but since then it has been almost completely idle, and its sister ship Hubbard hasn't spent a day in service. Both are slated to remain tied up in Ketchikan despite the recent upgrades. 
So why are the newest boats in the fleet staying tied up while the ferry puts out fewer and fewer sailings on its older vessels? For one, DOT says the Alaska-class ferries aren't suitable to the fleet's immediate needs. They were built as day boats, so they don't have crew quarters, and that means they can't run for more than 12 hours at a time. And those new side doors? Well, that would allow them to tie up in communities with smaller docks if they had the range to get there. The legislature added funding for crew quarters, but that was part of the ferry package that was mostly erased by Dunleavy's vetoes. And there are two other modern ferries that have been tied up, a pair of catamarans that the state is trying to sell. But at a recent auction, they received one lowball bid that was less than half the minimum price. Meanwhile, Stedman says the state is paying a lot of money to more mothballed ships. Well, we need to cut some of our losses. Uh, if we're not going to sail those ships ever again, we need to get rid of them. In the meantime, Southeast Alaska and Prince William Sound will be serviced by ships built in the 1970s, and the monthly Aleutian run will be done by the Tustamina, which entered service five years before Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. We need to get a replacement plan for these ships, and we need to get them funded. We need to agree on a a dollar amount every year in the budget to set it aside so we can get these ships uh, replaced. And right now, there's nothing. And that is alarming. A lot of these issues were addressed in last year's Marine Highway Report that was commissioned by the governor. Stedman served on that working group and says its recommendations will be presented in detail to the legislature. I think this winter is going to be very telling if we can make some forward progress in trying to stabilize the Marine Highway. Um, I'm concerned about the schedule that's been presented for consideration by the public. I hope the public encourage them to call in. He's referring to the upcoming February 8th public hearing. Already some communities have concerns. Cake, a village on Kupernoff Island, recently learned that it isn't on the skeletal summer schedule at all. For some reason, we're the uh, black sheep of Southeast, I guess. Joel Jackson is president of Cake's tribal government. He says the village of 500 people was off the schedule last summer, too. I don't understand what is going on, and uh, we don't very much appreciate it. In a follow-up email, a state transportation spokesman says Cake's lack of ferry service was an oversight. It would be getting two ferries a month after all. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. The State Department of Transportation is accepting comments on the proposed schedule through February 7. The department will hear public testimony on the draft summer schedule for Southeast on Monday, February 8 at 10 a.m. For many small Alaska communities, Facebook groups have become an important way to share information, particularly during the pandemic. They can also be challenging to moderate, especially as Facebook continues to grapple with how to regulate speech on its site. As KCAW's Aaron McKinstry reports, keeping divisive rhetoric off of groups like Sitka Chatters can feel like a full-time job. When Catherine Daum came up with the idea for the Facebook group Sitka Chatters with her friend Sam back in 2013, she never imagined it would grow to an important community forum with over 9,000 members. Pretty incredible. I mean, we were really excited when it hit 100 members. Never, We never thought it would get this big and be one of the main sources to get information from for Sitka. Over the years, Sitka Chatters has helped people find lost pets and share information about new businesses. It's also connected people in need with resources, like during the 2015 landslides in Sitka. 
The whole idea behind the group was to create a positive space to bring people together, Dom says. She quit moderating when she moved to Anchorage, but she still uses it to connect to the Sitka community. We wanted a safe place where there was no um, discrimination, there was no name-calling. We wanted a positive place for businesses where there was no shaming businesses or other people. But that hasn't always been easy, especially during a divisive election season and a politicized pandemic. We were like, oh my God, this is getting crazy. People are snapping. People are acting horrible. Robin Schmidt moderated the group for about eight months before quitting right after the November election. She works as an attorney and says it felt like a second full-time job. And I just can't have this negativity in my life anymore. It's giving me the wrong impression of our society. It's showing a side that is a vocal minority when there are still really great people out there. Facebook isn't a free-for-all. The platform prohibits hate speech, nudity, excessive violence, and spam, for example. Schmidt says Facebook would notify them of false information or a threat they considered viable. But the group also has its own rules that they try to enforce. No trolling, no personal attacks, and no politics, for example. Discussions about masks were also outlawed, following months of divisive conversations that devolved into personal attacks in the comments section. And we got to the point where we were even giving people like 24-hour cool-off period, 72-hour a week, you know, and then we kept doing that and trying to give people a chance, you know, knock it off. These are the rules. Finally, they decided to ban repeat offenders altogether. But is it possible to do that in an unbiased way in such a small town? The moderators hold the power to regulate speech in whatever way they see fit, as long as it aligns with Facebook's policies. And even Twitter and Facebook have faced backlash in recent months for flagging false information and banning extreme speech from alt-right groups, including booting former President Donald Trump for false claims about the election. That prompted many on the far right to flock to less regulated social media sites like Parler, which has since been taken offline. Bull Schmidt and current moderator Fran Abeda say they've had to ban people from all parts of the political spectrum. People think we're judgmental and it's just like all three of us have different beliefs and, you know, we don't boot somebody without discussing it with all three of us. Abeda is one of three current moderators and she initially got involved through the group's regular photo contest. Sometimes, she says, she doesn't know why she keeps doing it. Maybe it's just the control, being able to delete people if they get out of hand or not. Sick is my home and I care about it, that and what's going on in the community. Abeda says that in recent weeks, things have calmed down. She knows there will always be people looking to stir the pot, but hopes that moving forward, the group can remain a positive space for Sitkins to come together. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News.